Hello, it's Paul Scott here, Small Caps commentator, investor and writer of the Small Cap Value Reports on Stockopedia.com with Graham Neary and occasionally uh, occasional help from Roland Head. This is my third attempt at recording this podcast. I'm just, oh, it's not going very well. I think I've got a mixture of brain fog and just I keep going off at tangents and ranting about things and then thinking, no, that's not very good. So let's try again for the third time or I might just abandon it and, and do it later when I'm in a better frame of mind. So um, here we are. I'll quickly run through the, 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 the small cap value reports then I wanted to say something about profit warnings as well so um, much much quieter this week nowhere near as many uh, updates you know we're, we've got we've got most of the 2023 calendar year trading updates out of the way so that's really good then of course coming into March we'll get the absolute deluge of uh, financial results published so we're gonna be incredibly busy in March but in the meantime we're having a, a, a more a more um, a more restful week, or at least I was until Monday afternoon when I got a phone call that everyone with elderly parents dreads when I got a phone call from someone saying, oh, your mother's had a fall and she's in pool hospital. So I had to just drop everything, pack a bag, because I was in London and having a, having a pint at the uh, the um, Englefield in Canterbury, my local when I'm up there. And uh, so I had to hop on a train, rush down to pool hospital. There's poor old mum with a suspected broken hip. And uh, it, it was it was rather difficult, really. So I've been I've moved into her flat, and luckily, luckily, the good news is it was just a fracture of a relatively small bone in the hip area. So although she's in a lot of pain and can barely move, the uh, the outlook is good. Um, she's going to be in line with expectations again in about two or three weeks, we hope. Meanwhile, I've moved into her flat, and I'm sort of doing a part time carer role, which is quite nice in a way. Uh, trying to fit in the Stockopedia work around that. So you might have noticed this week that there were some quite long gaps between um, uh, between some of the company reports. So sorry for that. But I think we kept on top of it despite the circumstances. So that's good. Now, on to Monday's report. This is Monday the 12th of February 2024. If I didn't say before, sorry, I'm recording this uh, Saturday lunchtime on the 17th of February 2024. So Monday's report, we covered four companies. The first one was Janeo. I think this looks really interesting. It's done really, really well over the last... Uh, just over two years. I think Newish Management did some transformational acquisitions, which looked incredibly cheap. Um, and uh, so the shares have done very, very well. Um, probably up with events for the time being, I think, I suspect. Uh, it's about £2.50 a share, 41 million market cap. Now, it said trading for 2023, that's calendar 2023, is in has been in line with expectations. I think the valuation is still reasonable, despite the fact the shares have gone up a lot. Uh, outlook comments I found a bit vague but positive sounding. Um, now, really, the key question on the, what does Janeo do? Well, it, it has a variety of transport related things and sort of CCTV, and um, the acquisition seemed to be more in those digital display boards that you see at railway stations and bus stations. Um, and it's international as well. They've got a big order in the in the in the in New York, I believe. The only thing I would say about it, this is capital equipment, long life capital equipment. So we don't know at this stage if these are a, a, a large one off orders, which may not repeat. Or I know there's some recurring revenue, but um, these type of businesses, which have a business model which is based on winning, you know, fairly big 
long life contracts, um, you've got to be sure that the growth is going to continue because it won't necessarily continue. It's not like retail or hospitality where the customers come back every week. That's my only slight reservation on that. But I think um, I'm still green on it. Don't, don't get me wrong, I like Jonea. And uh, it looks very interesting. So the only question is, can the momentum be maintained? Well, the forecasts for 2024 are quite modestly set, fairly modest growth. And they do say the visibility is is strong. So it looks like we could be, hopefully, be in for continued uh, strong performance from Janeo in 2024. That's how it's looking right now. Obviously, I'm not a crystal ball gazing uh, psychic, so I don't know what the future holds. Nobody, well, management probably got the best idea about that. So um, I'm not making any predictions. I'm just saying I don't know how this could pan out. There's probably quite a wide range of potential outcomes longer term. One of which, you know, could be very, very good if the products are great and you know the customers want them and more customers want to then buy these. You know, you could uh, you could see it taking really taking off, couldn't you? So I think I think it's it's very interesting, Janeo. So green on that one. Next, and we're not so keen on TPX Impact. Ticket is TPX. Graham looked at this, a Q3 trading update. He's amber on it. I'm, I'm amber as well, but I think we're leaning more towards red on it. It's an IT services company. Almost went looked as if it might even go bust a while ago, but um, they managed to d- raise some cash from a disposal. Still quite highly geared, but it says it's within its covenants. Uh, Q3 trading in line with expectations. We think when you add on the debt, the enterprise value to EBITDA is not attractive. So we don't see this as a particularly interesting thing. We just don't like IT contractors. They they often things seem to go wrong with them. There was a spate of them, including this company, TPX, that were floated at ridiculous valuations that have come crashing down. I mean, why get involved? I just think there are much better quality companies to invest in. Uh, now, here's an interesting one. I looked at Good Energy, G-O-O-D, for the first time. Um, it dropped 8% to £2.54. Now, it's only £43 million market cap um, on news of an acquisition and a placing. Uh, now, quite a few of us have questioned why the share price suddenly inexplicably started dropping two weeks before this placing. So, obviously, news leaked and there's a bit of insider dealing going on there by persons unknown. Uh, it's really annoying when that happens. Um, it's not on. Now, it's an energy supplier and serve energy services provider, Good Energy. Now, all I've said, really, I've reviewed it all, the H1 results, and just given an opinion on it on my first look at it. Now, what I've basically said is I, do, I don't get involved in these energy suppliers because the whole market's regulated. We've been through an energy crisis where the government seems to currently be letting them make slightly... Uh, well, not slightly, is letting them make uh, quite big profits. Well, that's going to change, isn't it? When the energy market's normalised and the price cap is coming down um, and when competition sort of uh, uh, becomes more normal in energy markets, and of course this is uh, good energy, is is, is different, but I've reviewed it all in the report. It it buys uh, solar energy from small-scale solar producers and then resells it. But its profits are extremely volatile. That's my main issue with good energy. H1 showed a bumper profit of about 16 million, but then it's it's handing back nearly all of that in H2. Um, so I'm not, I don't, I've, I've basically come to the conclusion I can't value this on earnings because you, earnings are just too volatile, subjected to um, outside factors, completely outside of their control, I think. So uh, 
I'm not. I'm, I I don't know how to how to value it. But so so I looked at the balance sheet. If in doubt about profits, I always look at the balance sheet, and it's actually pretty good. Um, so I do like the balance sheet strength at good energy. So I've decided to um, lean slightly positively. So I've gone amber green on that one. So those of you that have had a look at it already, I see posted some very interesting comments uh, uh, in the article on Monday. Thank you for that. Very good. That's what we want, obviously. And um, yeah, I wouldn't completely dismiss it. I think it might be quite interesting, good en- energy, but have a look at it. And they're also, oh, that was it. They've done a placing um, at £2.50, I think it was, to, um, this was to make an acquisition, uh, which actually looked quite interesting. The acquisition seems to be already profitable. Um, they're broadening out into other sort of energy-related services, um, which, um, the trouble is those are loss-making at the moment, most of them, the things they're already doing, but this latest acquisition looks as if it's profitable. I don't know. Could be interesting. Have a look at it anyway and see what you think and let me know. Graham looked at Director Plus, DCTA. This is one of these graphene things that loses money. I won't waste your time on it. Both both Graham and I are read on Director Plus and we think it's going to need to raise more money. So why get involved? Right, on to Tuesday 13th of February 2024. We only covered two companies because that's, I think, pretty much all there was reporting. Um, yeah, that was that was it. It was Ultimate Products and Sieta. And then the only other thing on, on, the, on the RNS on Tuesday was Gresham Tech, GHT, which is one of my... I think that was on my list of favourite shares for 2024, wasn't it? Um which is doing all right. That's 112 million software company, Gresham. Now, it put out this RNS saying strategic contract win, but it turns out it's only $1.5 million over five years, so I don't know quite why they were trumpeting that. Oh, we did have some uh, mid-morning movers. This is my new section on the Small Cap Value Reports, where I just do a sort of single-paragraph comment on any, any large price movement. So I'll run you through those. Belliscura, B-E-L-L, that rose 8% to 21.5p on a distribution agreement with a large US-based company called Sunset Healthcare. Um, now, this one is comes from a stable um, of company promotions, which has got a generally pretty poor track record of floating jam tomorrow stuff, but they do hit the odd jackpot. That's the thing, isn't it? So you have to decide whether this is a um, going to be a big winner or another also or another big disappointment, which most of them are. So it's jam tomorrow stuff, heavy historic losses from Bella Scura, but it's got this apparently it's got this this groundbreaking oxygen concentration machine, which it reckons it can sell in large quantities. So we'll see whether it turns into reality or if it's all a load of hot air. We don't know at this stage. Uh, It's also done a sort of backdoor fundraising by acquiring a cash shell recently, which one of the readers pointed out has now is going to go through because it's got acceptances from practically everybody. So I don't know. We'll keep an open mind of Bellascura, but obviously it doesn't have any actual track record of profits or, or significant revenues yet. And we don't know whether it will in future. Cornerstone FS, CSFS, I've covered quite a lot recently. We made a nice turn on that one, spotting um, the ahead of expectation updates. More than doubled. I flagged that up in flagged that up uh, uh, at the beginning beginning of that move up, and I made a bob or two myself on it. But I was happy to bank my profits. 
for the time being at around 26.27p. It's carried on going up a bit. It's about 32p. And it rose 7% on Tuesday on the back of an RNS saying it's received a regulatory licence in Canada. So it can now operate in Canada and they reckon that's going to accelerate growth. It's one of these payments, uh, Forex type firms. There are loads of them. Um, and I'm not that keen on the sector, but I could see that Cornerstone was far too cheap when I bought into it, and I'm happy to bank the profit and move on. Uh, Another one we don't like at all here is called Dispenser, D-I-S-P. Can you believe it? This floated in September 2022, but it's now decided it's going to delist. Two million market cap, and the auditor resides. So anyway, look, we won't waste your time on that one. We've never looked at it, but really, I mean... What a joke! What a what a what a what a load of nonsense! Floating in twenty two and then delisting in early twenty twenty four. Absolute rubbish! The brokers have floated. No wonder the, the the UK small caps market dead, because it's been the golden goose has been killed off by all these promotional brokers floating junk. I like to have moan about that every now and well in nearly every podcast. <laughs> More junk here, Sieta, S-E-D. We've been very negative on this because the facts and figures have been absolutely hopeless on it for a long time now, but it's amazing. Uh, The people who've been talking it up, you know, uh, for quite a while. Um, Anyway, it dropped 53% on Tuesday on what they call a commercial update, which is we've marked as a profit warning. Graham, uh, so, you know, obviously black for for profit warnings on my spreadsheet. Uh, Graham's red on fundamentals. And he said here, I love this, he said, if there was a category below red, Sieta would be a strong candidate for it. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, I just can't believe how this company has squandered um, cash at a prolific rate. And uh, it's almost out of cash again. And it's saying here it's it's trying to flog off um, a Sunderland production line that it won't be needing anymore. It's an absolute disaster. Endless talk about possible contracts, as Graham says. It seems to it claims to have this revolutionary electric motor propulsion system for for trikes or something that they're trying to flog in India. It's I think this is going to absolute crock, Sieta. I'm afraid. Will the shareholders dig deep yet again for what seems to be an absolutely useless business model? I don't know. But anyway, we've been warning against it for a long time. So, you know, you want your independent, unbiased commentary, come to the small cap value reports. We don't get paid by any companies to talk up their bullshit contract uh, uh, customers. Anyway, uh, Ultimate Products, U-L-T-P, that's changed the ticket. I think it used to be U-P-G-S. Ultimate Products, it's now called. Um, uh, I like this company. I'm green on this one. Um, inline trading update, the shares about £1.48. Now, it did have a revenue miss in H1. Revenue's down 4%, but it's clawed it back through margin improvements and cost cutting. So, you know, I don't really mind how a company gets to be in line. As long as it's in line for profit, then, you know, I'm OK about that. Full year forecasts have been left the same. A couple of the readers were saying, though, does that introduce risk in H2? Um, you know, if H1 re- revenues are down, is there some sort of... It could be destocking, though. I think they might have mentioned that. We're getting this stuff about destocking from lots of companies warning on profits at the moment. Um, now, you've got an attractive yield of 5.5% at Ultimate Products. The balance sheet's okay, and it's also now talking about doing quite sizable share buybacks. So we like it, even though it's just importing gear from China um, and flogging it on. Uh, it still looks a pretty decent business, I think, so I like Ultimate Products.
Right, on to Wednesday 14th of February 2024. Now, we had a lovely update from Bloomsbury, BMY, the independent publishing business, that is just going from strength to strength. We love this one. I did actually put it, we've been raving about it for quite a while in the Small Cap Valley reports, or very positive about it anyway, but it's it's doing far better than I expected. And it was one of my top picks for 2024. Sorry, they're not picks. What have I got to call them? Share ideas. That's it. Well, they are share ideas. So picks, share ideas. I think it sounds pretty much the same. But anyway, it was on my top 20 list of share ideas for uh, uh, 2024. So I got lucky here in that the it put out another ahead of expectations trading update. It's funny, isn't it? You know, often when companies get into a, a, a sort of pattern of putting ahead of expectations updates they carry on trading ahead don't they we saw that with war paint and it seems to be very much the case with bloomsbury publishing they've got an author called sarah j mass m-a-a-s who seems to be um shooting the lights out with her fantasy fiction and as the company said once people find an author that they really really like and that's very popular I've looked on Audible and, you know, she's got thousands of thumbs ups, five star reviews on there. So I'm going to download one of her books and listen to it myself uh, later. They're 29 hours long, though. So but the but the reviews are all fantastic, saying they're wonderful uh, t- stories that you get absolutely immersed in. Could this be the next J.K. Rowling? I mean, who, who of course, Bloomsbury Publishing have on their books and have had for many, many years. It's increasingly looking, I think, that Bloomsbury have got a a real uh, special ability to occasionally strike gold with um, a really uh, brilliant author, and they could now have another one on their hands. Now, I got a bit cross with Bloomsbury as it didn't say how much they're ahead of expectations, but it gets sneaked out um, through the premium brokers to high net worths and um, institutions, which is not right and could actually be illegal because, you know, you're meant to companies are meant to give all the information to everyone at the same time. As it turned out, as we found out 24 hours later, the um, the upgrades were much larger than um, I think a lot of us had imagined, uh, which is great. I mean, it adds another uh, adds, adds another boost to the to the bull case for Bloomsbury Publishing. I don't know what the future holds, but I'm leaning towards thinking that this big boost from Sarah J. Maas may be an ongoing thing. As more people find her books and word gets around, you know, it does seem to be something really quite special. But I'll I'll tell you when I've listened to the to one of her audio books, um, and therefore I think there's a good chance these these this earning earnings momentum that Bloomsbury's got could continue. But I don't know, obviously. And so on that basis, I think the valuation's still reasonable. They're about five pounds a share now, I think. Uh, and Cockney Rebel has jumped on this one big time, I see. So all his followers will be steaming in, I imagine. Uh, <laughs> and then at the first sign of trouble, they'll all scarper. So uh, I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing to have a lot of traders jumping on it. But anyway, it's nice to see Cockney Rebel's brilliant at uh, spotting turnarounds. And so I think the fact that he's he's bullish and has dived in himself uh, is is very encouraging. Anyway, as I say, we were about we were about six or seven weeks early, and I got it on into my share ideas for 2024. I'm very positive on it still, so I'm mulling whether to take a position on Bloomsbury Publishing myself, but I've got no spare cash at the moment. Graham looked at something called Coca-Cola HBC 
AG. AG, I think, is the German version of Limited, isn't it? Something Gesellschaft or something. I can never remember what it stands for. It always, always sounds very impressive when people can, 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 can reel off the German as if it, they sort of, you know, use it every day. But uh, I, I fell out of that hurdle. Anyway, 8.5 billion market cap, so much bigger than we usually look at. But Graham thought it was interesting and there was no small caps news. We'll cover anything we think is interesting, irrespective of market gap. But our main focus is small to mid caps. Anyway, uh, he likes it. Graham's gone green on Coca-Cola HBC. The ticket is CCH. Full year results were ahead of expectations. Strong numbers. Um, uh, and the PE is only 12 times. So Graham likes that one. Have a look at, what is it, Wednesday's report, if you want more detail. I also looked at a mid cap called Dunalm, D-N-L-M. This is the homewares retailer from out-of-town sheds i've always liked this business i think it's very good 2.2 billion market cap interim results um i thought they were fine given tough macro and the um you know the tough macro backdrop the cost of living crisis etc um and basically their cost increases principally wages and energy costs they've recouped it through higher gross margins as supply chains, because I, I would imagine everything's made in the Far East, as supply chains improve and freight costs have, have come down from the big spikes. And um, I've got no concerns over the balance sheet or cash flow. They're great. And it generates loads of cash flow and pays, pays nearly all of it out in dividends. So it's a very attractive share, I think, Dunelm. And the outlook is in line with expectations for financial year June 2024. So, yeah, uh, an unequivocal thumbs up from me for Dunelm. So I'm green green on that one. I've said here, I think it's a good quality long-term investment. One of the reasons did flag, well, why, Paul, and this is a good point, actually, why, Paul, are you not worried about it being undermined by Timu, the Chinese um, cheap crap supplier, basically, direct-to-consumer selling junk? But, you know, half of what I bought from Timu was total junk, and some of it even just went in the bin. The other half was actually bloody good. So uh, it's a bit hit and miss on, on quality, but it's air freighting in small squashy parcels. So I just thought, well, for Dunelm, it's often quite considerably larger items. So maybe there wouldn't be so much of a threat from Timu for bulkier, heavier items that Dunelm um, sells. Uh, but I don't know. It's a good point. And thank you to the reader who did question me on that, because it may be that there might be at least some competitive threat from Timu. Right. The only things we didn't cover on Wednesday were an inline update for Q3 from FRP Advisory, which is uh, one of two, I think, listed insolvency practitioners, Begbie's trainer being the other one. Anyway, it was in line, so we thought, well, that's not particularly important to cover that agronomics the Jim Mellon um, what do you call it um, food tech uh, investment company that we've mentioned before looks quite interesting ANIC that put out interim results but I haven't I didn't get around to looking at that and then Carclo C-A-R this is the, the badly over indebted and over pension funded well under pension funded I should say um, plastics technology group that's had lots of um, missteps I think it's kind of a bit of a zombie company that one so I didn't cover that one it's only six million market cap now Carclo and it's talking about closing a factory and strategic consolidation I think it's hobbling along you know uh, potential insolvency there I just wouldn't take the risk it's one of those things where you might get a multi-bagger but you might lose 100% of your money as well or get really wiped out in a in an emergency fundraise why take the risk gamblers only I think Carclo 
Oh, we had some mid-morning movers that I mentioned as well. The Works, WRKS. This, of course, is quite a considerable size chain of uh, kids-focused books and, 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 and art sort of supplies and a bit of a mishmash of products. If it didn't exist, you wouldn't invent it, I would argue. Very, very marginal business. Doesn't really make any money. 15 million market cap. Now, it's appointed two new non-executive directors. This is quite interesting. Um, They're both finance guys, seem to have uh, pretty good um, reputation track records. They're the CEO and CFO of a tiny investment company listed called Kelso Group, ticker KLSO. So I had a quick look at Kelso Group. It's only a market cap of about 11 million. It's got some shrewd uh, backers, including Nigel Ray. Um, and it Kelso itself owns 5.1% of the works. They're underwater, though. They paid 33p for it, so they're about a third down on that. Um, I noticed they were previously very keen on the Hutt Group as well, THG. God knows why. I just don't understand why people think that's good. I think it's a total crock based on its numbers. But anyway, a lot of smart people seem to think THG is good. Well, anyway, they made a profitable trade on that. I'm not sure they got the actual investment thesis right, but we'll see. Um, Anyway, I think the works is, I've said here, I think very marginal business with little, if any, equity value, in my opinion. But anyway, it's interesting that the works has appointed these two guys from um, one of the uh, 5%. I think they upped their stake from 5.1% to about 5.9% as well, a couple of days later. So it looks to me like they're trying to get something done at the works and the well they want to get the share price up don't they um by joining the board and that the works is obviously amenable to having two corporate finance guys and investors on on the uh on the board so who knows something may come of that it may not but i just flagged the news what have we got here thursday 15th of february right we covered five companies let me run through these I'm just doing this blind. I haven't I haven't read the notes beforehand because I'm just I'm just getting myself in a muddle today. This is not going to be one of my best podcasts, I'm afraid. Sorry about that. Right, Christie Group, CTG, I looked at that. Uh I've said here the profit warnings have finally stopped. <laughs> this is the property services strange little group of companies. Uh, the the core business, the main profit earner historically, has been a uh a, an agency or broker rather for um, the sale and disposal of hospitality and retail type businesses. To be fair to Christie, it has got a good historical track record of, you know, most years making a profit. Uh, things seem to really go wrong in 2023. I won't go into the detail all over again, but it's just to say, after uh, after moving the guidance right down to, into it losses for 2023, it's finally managed to deliver an in-line update <laughs> with these greatly reduced forecasts. But it did say 2024 has got off to a good start. So it may, and it is fundamentally an okay business, I think. Nothing, no great shakes. I don't know why it's listed. Um, mature business in sort of rather niche activities. Can't see the point of it listing. So, you know, delisting might reduce the costs by half a million to a million quid. So it seems an obvious route to go down to just delist it and run it as a private company, I would say. So for that reason, and I think the the dreadful track record of constantly being wrong about their forecasting in uh, 2023 makes me very lukewarm about it. And even at 85p a share, you know, I don't see much upside there. The market's 
pretty much already factoring in a recovery in earnings back to its historic... Oh, no, is it historical? Some pedant in the reader comments said, oh, you made a a grammatical error, Paul. It doesn't matter. Everybody knew what I meant. But anyway, just to to keep him quiet, I'll use the historical earnings. Yes, that's it, not historic earnings. Historical earnings at Christie um, are only about 10p a share, so at 85p... I say only. Uh, 85p, that's a P of about eight and a half. Probably about right for a not particularly good business, I would suggest. So I just don't see enough upside in Christie to want to get involved. But I could see, you know, maybe it gets up to a pound or one pound ten or something in the in the next bull market as, as earnings recover. And it could, after a bad year in 2023, you've then got soft comparatives, haven't you, for to report better updates in 2024. So it could recover. I don't know. It's fundamentally an okay business, Christy. Uh, sorry, I sound a bit tetchy today, don't I? I just, I just haven't slept very well. I'm, I'm sleeping on a memory foam mattress on Mum's lounge floor, and you don't really get much sleep, do you, when you're in an unfamiliar circumstance? So, I, so please excuse me if I'm being tetchy. I'm just a bit tired, and obviously it's been a stressful week. Anyway, Water Intelligence. Graham looked at that. W A T. Oh bugger! Hang on. Sorry, Jones at the door. Right, I'm back. Sorry about that. That was one of Mum's neighbours, Francis, who'd come round with some flowers and a card for her. So it wasn't that nice. But what were we talking about? I think we were looking at water intelligence, weren't we? W-A-T-R. This put out a trading update. Oh, yes, Graham looked at this one. Um, that's really come down a lot uh, from the so when it was seen as a really exciting growth company. It was very expensive for a long time, water intelligence was. But... We quite like it. Now it's more reasonably priced. It seems to have just derated considerably, and we think it's um, we think it's quite good now. So Graham's green on it. Um, trading update here. Graham said here it's had Water Intelligence has had a solid track record over many years, um, <clears throat> and it's now quite a reasonable valuation. So and we don't we're not worried about the net debt, and we think the chairman's interests are well aligned. So yep. Yeah, Thumbs up from us for Water Intelligence. Jarvis Securities. This has been really interesting, actually. Now, I won't steal uh, Graham's thunder on this, but um, it's absolutely shot up this week. And the trigger was it declared a 1.75 pence Q1 dividend. Now, this is significant because it followed the cancellation of its Q4 payment last year. Now, it's got this skilled person review going on. Um, from the FCA, which totally panicked the market and the shares collapsed in price. But uh, I suppose, and I did actually pick up on this in the the early morning movers section of Thursday's report. Then Graham went on to write up, I think I flagged it when it was up 17% or something, and then Graham picked up on it and wrote a full section, by which time it was up 33%. I think it carried on rising. This is JIM, the ticker, a very small uh, broker of some or, or fund manager or something like that in that sector that's um, uh, where people have been worried that it might get clobbered with huge fines that you know make it go bust or something well it now I mean there wouldn't uh, the argument is now it's paid a Q1 dividend maybe things uh, are not as bad as feared and that's triggered a, a really large rebound in the share price now I looked at jet2.com uh, the ticket is JET2 the number 2 um, we re- although it's a mid cap, it's two point nine billion market cap. We look at it because the readers love it. It's very popular amongst the readers, and it's very popular with me. I reviewed the interims 
last autumn when it was only about a thousand pence a share and it looked ridiculously cheap uh which i i wrote in an article in november saying that you know i think this is fabulous very cheap it's now risen a lot it's up nearly 40 percent but i think it's still good value actually so i run my slide rule over it again and i think jet 2 is a really good business and it's a continuing thumbs up from me if you're happy with the sector risk of course um of investing in holiday uh, shares because we now know that another pandemic comes along people will just reach for the lockdown lever again and um you know shut down their businesses potentially so will that maybe that's why a lot of these holiday shares are on quite low ratings i saw that on the beach has fallen back a lot from its recent highs and it was quite fair reasonable value i thought at the highs so otb might be worth you having a fresh look at but it could be these holiday uh companies shares may just be permanently cheap now because of the sector risk i don't know i'm just guessing that people have got short memories though now this is a very interesting one close brothers cbg now the shares there have absolutely crashed you'll need to see uh, thursday's report for the detail down 26 percent to £2.95 on a trading update. Um, this is another one where an unknown, as Graham's saying here, I'm quoting from him, an unknown, unquantifiable impact from the FCA's review of historical commission arrangements for motor loans. The dividend is suspended. Graham said here, amazingly cheap, but high risk. So um, and Graham's marked it green, which I think is a bit... I don't know. He'll either be looking a genius on that or he'll uh, have at least some egg on his face. I I don't know which. Um, I think it might have been better if we'd gone amber on that because we don't know how the situation's going to unfold. But Graham does justify and explain why he's... uh, Well, it's the value, isn't it? He's saying he thinks it's unlikely that the that the fines would be so large that they would destroy the business. But we just don't know. That's the trouble, isn't it? And it's being heavily shorted. Of course, the shorts will, will cover at some point. So I don't know. Uh, and a potentially interesting trade for the more adventurous of you. Uh, Close Brothers, CBG. I don't really have an opinion on it because I've generally not done very well when I've caught falling knives. So um, I don't know. I'll leave that one for someone else. Right, on to Friday's report. This is the 16th of February. Uh, Hardly any news again. It's really quiet the first and second week of February. I must book some holiday next year um, and go away somewhere and have a bit of time off because, um, yeah, it's a good time to do that. Now, the big news of the day was another profit warning from XP Power. XPP is the ticker. Now, I've run through... I won't go into the detail now, but I've run through in Friday's report... The, the history of this, I mean, a really, really good, decent quality company for many, many years. But the wheels have really s- seem to be coming off this one. And it dropped 37% down to £9.20. So it gave up all the recovery in a price after its mishap last autumn, where the shares crashed and it did an emergency placing combined with revised bank terms seem to all be back on track and the shares have recovered nicely then bang another profit warning and i think it's a really bad profit warning there were the company didn't give specific guidance it was very convoluted and again only those in the know who've you know got accounts with the top brokers would have got the information the rest of us were kept in the dark but i did find a way of deducing from 
what it said about its bank covenants that I, I, I worked backwards to make my own estimate of earnings. And I think the forecast profit for 2024 could be reduced by about two thirds. I think this is a really bad profit warning, actually, with XP Power, which brings into question the uh, solvency again and the bank debt. You know, it could it could be coming up to breach its covenants. It says it won't, but... I don't know. It's it's looking again as if it's still got too much debt, uh, even after the fundraise last year. So I'm steering well clear of that on XP Power. I just think really there's a big question mark over whether this business is actually any good anymore. Uh, so anyway, I've obviously I've flagged it black as another profit warning from my spreadsheet. But on fundamentals, I've shifted down from amber to amber red, just because I think there are question marks over this. Now, I looked at a smaller house builder, MJ Gleason, ticker GLE. This is one of our favourites uh, back in 2023. It was on my top share ideas for 2023, um, right right at the five-year low as well, as it turned out. So that was lucky. And we're up um, nearly 50% on that one since. Anyway, it put H1 results out. Uh, I've gone up from amber to amber green. I only moved to amber because it did actually warn on profits uh, quite recently. Um, but surprisingly, the market just shrugged it off. So the market seems to be very much buying into now the cyclical recovery in house builders, which looks like it is beginning. And obviously the market is usually at least looks forward to sort of kind of circa six months, doesn't it? So I can't decide whether Gleason's cheap or whether it's had a big recovery overall. On balance, I've said here it's not the amazing bargain it was a year ago, Gleason isn't, but I think it's still good value. It's only at par with net tangible asset value now, which is cheap. So it's fully asset backed. And given that the next move up in house prices over the next cycle is probably going to be upwards, maybe not upwards that much. But um, anyway, I bounce all the ideas around and conclude moderately positively on Gleason. Now, I can't have a podcast without mentioning Plexus, can I? My biggest holding, POS, the uh, specialist oil um, and services engineering company. Now, good news on Friday. It put out a £1 million contract win in plug and abandonment, which I think is significant because, bear in mind, this thing was only doing about £2 million a year revenues for the last seven or eight years. But the whole company, the com- company's coming alive again now. It won a one-off £8 million special project, plus it got in £5.2 million cash recently, only in recent weeks, from um, a perpetual licence granted to Schlumberger, which did disappoint some people, it seems, because they've kind of given up an, uh, a future royalty stream. Um, but we, they'd never put a number on that, so we don't know how much royalties would have been had anyway, because they, they needed the cash. That was more important. But the beauty of it is now... It's 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 taken away the dilution risk and it's taken away insolvency risk and it's now got uh, seemingly I think um, ample net net cash, so it's absolutely transformed. So the sixteen million market cap now I think is fully justified. I think it's still cheap, otherwise it wouldn't be my biggest holding. Um, and uh, this one million pound con- contract win in plug and abandonment is just further I think validation of the fact that this technology works. It, uh, you know, it's proven it's been around for donkey's years. And it was, you know, bear in mind, Plexus market cap peaked at about 300 million eight years ago. And there's been very little dilution since then. So, um, there's, you know, there's a, there's a, it, it's going to fan out in, in, there's a wide range of potential outcomes here, which none of us know. Um, 
but I think with each contract win announcement, which is what I've been saying consistently for ages, you know, you do need to get that positive news flow of more contract wins to prove up that the eight million contract wasn't just a one off. So I think a, a million pound contract win and it says a minimum of million and often these contracts grow after they're announced. So I'm uh, I'm very encouraged by this. And the share price went up about 17 percent, which I think is about the right sort of reaction to it. Uh, the thing is, in a bear market like we've got at the moment, what tends to happen with these smallish jam tomorrow ish type companies is that uh, people just drift away in between announcements, don't they? You know, because they want the cash for something else or they've hit a stop loss or for whatever reason, or they have doubts or they, they read something negative on a bulletin board, whatever the reason, doesn't matter. The, the, there tends to be a trickle of sellers. And then other people think, oh, the sellers must know something. I'm going to panic and sell as well, which is, I think, at this type of share uh, is not a good mindset. The way I look at it is you research them in great detail and you only buy when you're really sure of your facts. Where, at the very least, you think risk or reward is strongly positive, which obviously I do. That's why it's my biggest holding. I'm very happy with it. I think there's a, a good chance of a seriously positive outcome at Plexus. But it may not. It might just bump along and drift down. Um, you know, if, if, the, if, the, if the £8 million contract does turn out to be a major one-off so i was looking for more contract wins hence a million pound contract win on friday has really pleased me and reassured me that um you know the company's been saying for ages that look the pipeline's building there's lots of opportunities and um so it's nice to get the validation when a contract win comes out so i'm very pleased with that i'm perfectly prepared to be patient on it um, you know, various people are looking at it. I think it's on a lot of people's radar. Somebody's uh, happening. A couple of people saying, "Oh, it's a leaky ship." You know, people obviously traded on advanced knowledge of the contract win. I don't think you can say that because actually, a couple of my friends have been emailing me and saying, "Oh, I'm I'm just waiting for Plexus to bottom out, and we're waiting for it to touch the 200-day moving average." And one of those guys bought some stock. I think it was on Wednesday. He didn't have any idea about a contract win was about to be announced. Nor did I. You know, I'm not uh, I'm not close to the company. I'm, uh, you know, management are very, uh, you know, a, a, a pretty tight lipped. I have to say they, they're old hands. They've been listed for donkey's years. They know full well that they can't tell anything uh, price sensitive and they don't. I've had uh, zooms with them a couple of times and it's, you know, they'll add color, but they won't tell you anything um, confidential which i don't want them to you know i want to be able to trade the shares if something slips out that that's inside information i can't trade the shares then not that i do trade them that much but i do i do top slice a few when it has a huge spike up and and i and i buy the dips i was buying the other day at 12 and a you know when that day when it really plunged some idiot just started dumping blocks of 100,000 shares and he pushed the bid price down to 11p well that was a gift so i just i bought about quarter of a million more shares at 12 12 and a quarter 12 and a half and carried on up to about 13p i think 13p and below i'm happy to add and then you know yes i reserve the right to dribble a few out once it you know if it goes up to 25 30p i'll dribble a few out um and then then you know buy the buy the next dip you in a way what what the what people are doing in the market is the wrong way around isn't it they're selling when it drifts down when they should be buying and then they panic by when it starts doing a vertical move up. Well, it should be the other way around, I think, shouldn't it? Surely. So anyway, um, I'm very pleased with that announcement from Plexus. Um, 
we need a sort of dopamine hit every now and again of contract wins <laughs> in the microcap space, and Plexus has del- delivered it. And the market opportunity is huge. The upside case, I think, is massive, but I don't know if that will actually play out. You know, it could just be a, a middle case scenario where it gradually uh, you know, builds over a few years, which would be perfectly satisfactory. Uh, uh, or the downside case is obviously that it just bumps along getting the odd contract win, nothing much really happens, people get bored and drift away, and the share price just, just you know, slowly fizzles down again, you know, with the occasional blip up, and then, then they have to do a placing in two years' time or so. Do you know what I mean? So there's a whole range of scenarios, and I'm, I, 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 I don't lock on to the upside case anymore. I used to do that when I was less experienced. But now I, I think I, I tend to think about upside case, middle case and downside case and think carefully about each of them and then kind of work out which I think is more probable. And that's how I weigh up risk reward. But, you know, everyone does it their own way, don't they? I think I'm going to leave it there today. This has been a bit of a shambles. Um, um, I'm not really in the right, uh, you know, I'm not focused um, today or this week so i'll leave it there sorry if it was a bit sort of tetchy and uh, whatever yeah i'll wrap it up there bye for now bye